not here today. My my wife does youth uh, does uh, children ministry at uh, Victory Life in Brownwood, and so she's over there today. And but I've got four. I've got a six year old. I've got a four year old, two year old, and a six month old. And so I love my children. And you know the next generation, man. That is what it's all about. You know, you can. Um, there's so many people, there's so many great men of God in the scriptures that they, their children didn't serve God. You know, you got like people like Samuel, and it says that he sought the Lord, and he, it says that he, when he spoke, that God didn't even allow his words to fall to the ground. Um, that is like amazing, you know? It's almost like he had so much favor with God that that he didn't, that God just took care of whatever he said. It's like if my wife made, her, made a, a statement to my children, that becomes the law and I'm gonna honor it as the husband. You see what I'm saying? Like, even if I might not have 100% agreed with everything she said, I'd love my wife and we're in, we're, in, we're in covenant. So therefore, if she says it, I'm gonna back her up. You see what I'm saying? And that's the same thing with the bride of Christ, man. When we, that's, that's why the scripture says, you know, when you pray, believe that you receive, it'll be given to you. Um, it's not so much about going against God. I mean, we should always be seeking the Lord and have his heart. But when we have the desires of God, um, he honors what we say. Because we love him with all of our heart. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, so Samuel, he was so in tune with the heart of the father that if he said something, even if it was slightly off, it says in the word that he did not allow his words to fall to the ground. You know, and that sounds kind of weird, you know. Um, but I believe that's the case for us, you know. When we really seek God with all of our heart, and it's truly our heart's desire to please the father, um, there's a lot of grace for our mess ups. There's a lot of grace for our failures. And there's a lot of, um, uh, God just takes care of us, you know? Yeah, I know you made a mistake, but I'm gonna take care of you anyway. And that's, that is amazing. That's, that's the cross, man. You know, but you see, Samuel's sons, it says that they were corrupt and that they didn't seek God. And then that's why um, the people demanded a king because uh, his children were corrupt. And so they, and of course, God didn't want him to have a king. and um, they want he, he wanted to be king of their hearts, but um, we see that multiple times. You see, David he was a man after God's own heart, and Solomon it says that he sought God until the end of his life, and then he fell away from the Lord. You know, it's our, important that our children um, that we we do not neglect our children. I, I I just really feel like I'm supposed to talk about this right now. Our children are so important. It's the next generation that counts. You know, you can run a great race, but if your children aren't running when, you see what I'm saying? We're responsible. Now, I'm not saying that you're responsible for every decision your children make. You're just responsible with teaching them the truth, right. you know? And what they do with it is on them, between them and God. But if we don't, here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, I would just want to expose my children to God. You cannot ex just expose your children to God. Listen, there's a street out there, and I'm going to teach my children that if you go in the middle of the street, you're going to get run over, you know, and it's just real. It's, it's that real. And if I love my children, I'll teach them the truth, and I'll be vehement about it. There won't be a, oh, well, this is, you can pick, oh, if you want to, you know, honor the law of the, of the road and not go out in the street, you can do that if you want. No, dude, I mean, seriously. Like, if we love our children, we're going to tell them the truth, and we're going to say, hey, watch out. There's a real street out there with real semi-trucks. And you're gonna get flat, you know, flatted out like a pancake if you go out there. Do you see what I'm saying? And we have to treat our we have to treat our faith like this. We have to teach our children, you know, it's the truth, you know? And then I mean, for instance, there's there's a guy named Hezekiah. You heard about Hezekiah, right? 
it says that the prophet came in there, I believe it was Jeremiah. He comes into Hezekiah and he says, what did you show the king of Babylon? He goes, I showed him everything. So he showed him all this stuff out of the house. He goes, man, everything you showed him, he's going to take. And he says, but it won't happen in your life. It'll happen in your children's life. And Hezekiah goes, well, at least it won't happen to me in my lifetime. Man, that, that really, I was like, what? Like when I read that, I was like, golly, Hezekiah, man, he didn't seem to even care about his next generation. He just cared about his own prosperity. But the scripture says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You know, and that's not just about a financial inheritance. We're talking about a spiritual inheritance. We should be thinking about our children's children. You know, and here's how you think about your children's children. You don't compromise anything. If you compromise just a little bit, the scripture says that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. You know, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. It talks about that. So if we start to compromise even the smallest things in our life, the greatest chance for my children's success is when I don't compromise anything. You see what I'm saying? I can't compromise. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect in this life. However, like it's the heart. God, God looks at the heart. Well, your children look at your heart too. You know, they're going to watch you. They're going to see, man, did, did, did my parents love God with all their heart? You know? And that's what's going to make the difference, man. When people look at your life and say, man, well, he wasn't perfect. But, you know, I see that he sought God with all of his heart. And I see the fruit in his life. So, Anyway, I just want to encourage you. That was not my teaching. That was just what I really felt like I should share. <laughs> you know, we've got to watch out for our children. And, and, and really compromise. I'm going to talk a little bit about compromising. Little things, you know, that compromise. We, um, I have it on there. But that's okay. I'm just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, my brother over here is recording. And I have my notes on my phone. <laughs> but I also have these notes, so we're okay. If y'all go to John chapter 5, 44. Uh, let's go there. Everybody turn John chapter 5, verse 44. Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for your word. And I thank you, Father, for your word yes. to transform our lives. Yes. And I thank you, Father, for good trees to come out and good fruit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So we're in John chapter 5, verse 44. It says right here, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? All right, now, I grew up in the church and I always heard this phrase you know God gets all the glory right and that's like a really cliche deal okay I'm just gonna say but right here it says that um that there's glory that comes from the Father okay John chapter 17 talks about how Jesus prayed and he prayed for his people and his disciples and he prayed for the people that would come after the disciples and come to know Jesus come to know God through their witness and he says I pray that he says that I here let's go to John chapter 17 let's just read it it's just too good I don't want to mess it up you know John chapter 17 so John chapter 17 verse 3 says and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God but Jesus Christ whom you have sent it says I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do so this is how you bring glory to God not by singing praises you bring glory to God by accomplishing the work that he gave you to do okay so uh, my, my good buddy right here he says I don't want to be a six pro Christian you know what I mean? No, no offense to anybody's on six row. Um, but we don't want to be we don't want to be the back row Baptist, right? The one that just doesn't, you know, that doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. Listen, I, we, I talk about this all the time. I, I I believe, man, we have become spiritually obese, where we come to the church and we receive the word of God and we get super fat. No offense, I'm not being offensive. I'm just just talking real, okay? 
Um, just please hear me out, okay? I'm not trying to be offensive to nobody. I'm just saying, uh, I want to speak to your heart, okay? When we come and we just feed on the word and we just, we get overweight, man, and we have all of this word and we don't do anything with it. You know, a good diet and exercise is how you stay healthy. It's the same thing for the for spiritual. A good diet of the word and exercise is how you stay spiritually fit, you know? And so sometimes we think, oh, I've done all this study. I've done all this study. Well, whoop de do. Great, you got all this study. I've got people, man, that come to my discipleship house that have so much word in them. They know the word. They went to prison for 15 years and read the Bible five times. <laughs> but they're doing nothing. And... Sin is wreaking their life, and they can't overcome anything. Amen. The reason why is because of love of the world. Here's the deal. They have all this knowledge. Listen, knowledge alone does not save you. It says in the word in James that the devil knows that Jesus is the Son of God. And he shakes. He's shaking in his boots. But he's going straight to hell. You know? Well, listen, there's, there's three parts of your salvation here. Um, you have your spirit, you have your soul, and your, and your body. Okay? If you go over to Hebrews, uh, keep your finger in John chapter 17, okay, and go to Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. <clears throat> it says right here. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. So I grew up in church believing that the soul and the spirit were the same thing. They're not. Okay? There's two. There's actually two different Greek words. The word soul means suki, which is the same word you get for psycho, psychology. Suki, psycho, psychology. You know what I'm saying? So it's the, it's the mind. The soul is your mind. You have will and emotions in your mind. You also have emotions in your spirit, too. That's why the spirit can be grieved. Okay, so there's this thing inside of you. It's called your heart. It's the inside of you. It's your inner being, okay? You have your outer being, which is your body, and your inner being, which is your heart. There's so much conflict here. Scripture talks about how you can get a new heart, right? And it also talks about... How some people believe, like some scriptures say, you can be healed, like your heart is healed, and your heart can be mended, right? The, the, broke, the, the binding of the brokenhearted, right? So there is the healing, but there's also a part where you get scrapped a whole brand new one, okay? And so it gets confusing, because I've heard people say, well, you can't get a healed heart, because you have to get a brand new heart. Well, that's true. Both are true, because right here it says that the heart is actually made of two things. Check this out. It says, piercing in the division of the soul and of the spirit, the joints and the marrows. So the, let's do two columns here. You have your soul... In this column here, I normally have a board with me I can write on. So you have your soul and your spirit, okay? So the soul, underneath the soul is your joints, and underneath the spirit is your marrow, all right? You see that the joints and the marrow, the marrow is deeper than the joints. The joints connect bone to bone, right? Your soul connects your spirit to your body. There's, there's, a, there's a middle ground, okay? You have your spirit, and then in the middle is your soul, and then your body, okay? Your spirit communicates to your soul, and then your soul communicates to your body. All right? So, so your soul is like a joint. Does that make sense? All right, but it says your spirit is like the marrow. It's the deeper part of what holds you together. It's the deeper part of your inner part. See, the inner part of you is your frame, right? You have your outer part, which is your body, and your inner part, which is your body, your, your bones, your frame, right? So inside your frame is your marrow, all right? So it compares um, your spirit to the inner part of your soul. 
Okay? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's a deeper part of you, and it's your spirit. Okay? And it says in the scriptures that he's made us alive in Christ. So before Christ, this spirit part of you is dead. Yep. It's sick. Amen. Okay? In Christ, it's alive. It's brand new. Amen. It's wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay? Brand new. There's nothing you can do. You can't lose this part. This can't get shaken. This is 100% God, 100% yeah. Holy Spirit. It's whenever you become one with God. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And it says that his spirit speaks to our spirit. So there's even this... This understanding that there's a big spirit inside this little spirit. It's like married together, okay? And I don't know how to explain it. All I know is that just like when a man and wife come together and they become one flesh, yeah. even though there's two of you, right? right? You become one flesh. Whenever we become one with God, we become one spirit. I, have no, I don't know how to describe that. It's a mystery of the gospel, but it's the truth. Okay, and I can only say it like that. Like I don't, I, I want to get weird. I want to get like a Mormon or something like that. I'm on God now. You know what I'm saying? I want to be like that. But at the same time, like we are one. I don't know how to describe it. And Jesus describes it as the same as as, as him being one with the Father. Check this out. Go to now this. Oh, stay here. We'll keep reading. And discerning. Watch this. And the Word of God is piercing the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and discerning of the thoughts and intentions. So you know what your intentions are. Your intentions are the thoughts of your thoughts. Okay, they're deeper than your thoughts. They're the intentions of the heart, right? The thought, watch, it says the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the heart is made up of two things. You see this? Your heart is your soul and your spirit. Okay, so that's why it gets confusing because we talk about the outer being and the inner being. So that's really, everybody gets that. But there's a part of you, man, the inner part of you that's actually made of two parts. And it's the soul and the spirit, okay? So, the reason why I'm talking about that is because when we talk about salvation, there's a big teaching sometimes about losing your salvation. And this is the key to understanding what people really talk about when they talk about falling from grace, for instance. There's a scripture that says, if you abide by the law, you fall from grace. What are we going to do with that scripture? I'm going to talk about that today, okay? Because there's this grace that happens in your life. When you're born again in the spirit... Grace enters into your life, and you are a new creation. Done deal. Never going to end. Done. It's over. It's a done deal. You hear me? But then there's another part of you called your soul, which has to be renewed. See, it's your mind. The Bible says that you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Well, then your body one day is going to die, and it needs to be resurrected. Okay? So... You have a born-again experience in your spirit. You have a renewing experience in your mind. And you have a resurrection experience with your body. Yeah. That's how salvation works. Okay? There's three parts of your salvation. You are born again in the spirit. You're renewed in your mind. And you're resurrected in the body. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. So, you can see now when you're in this world. Check this out. You're in this body. This body, <coughs> I like to call it the uh, Trojan horse of the world. Like... It's how we sneakily get into this world and overcome it, okay? Without the body, you cannot affect this world. Okay, your body is important. It's stupid, though. Like, I hate it. And it just wants to sin all the time. And it just wants to be selfish all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And here's the thing. Whenever you know who you are, okay? Uh, keep your finger in John chapter 17. Go over to, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to get to this uh, John at 17, I promise. But I'm trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is right here. Verse, uh, verse 14. I like to read this whole like little passage. It, it, you can't really not read. You can't read one scripture. And this whole thing works together. For the love of Christ controls us. 
I like this. It's actually another translation says it compels us. Yeah. Okay. For the love of Christ compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Okay. So you died in Christ. All right. This is so awesome. You know that you can't get set free from sin unless you die. The Romans talks about that. I think it's in chapter four or five. It says that, that um, you cannot get set free from sin until death comes. You know, you know why we were taken out of the garden? When we were in the garden, uh, we ate from the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil, right? Mm -hmm. And the scripture says that he brought us, he says, man has become like us knowing good and evil. We need to take him out of the garden. So he takes him out of the garden. And the reason why is because if they ate of the tree of life, they would have been eternally in a state of sin yeah. and would have been separated from God forever. Okay, so death actually is a form of mercy. It's just, okay, the reason why judgment happens is because it has to be made right. So sin, you break the law, now things have to be made right. Okay, so you can't ever be made right until you die. Okay, and that sounds weird. We think of death as a bad thing, but death is really a good thing. Death frees you from sin. It's so awesome. Okay, but see, in Jesus Christ, we die in Christ. So now I'm set free. It's like, a, it's like I'm pulling down something that happens before it happens. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Like, did you know that you can get access to promises that aren't for your time? Like, you know, we always talk about God's timing, right? Did you know that you can break that rule? I'm, I'm going to watch this. Check this out. I know that sounds weird. Don't stone me. God's timing. I challenge you, find it in the Bible. There's no verse that actually says something about God's timing. Okay, now, there's a lot of things that allude to it. For instance, in the proper timing. And we talk about stuff like that, right? Like Jesus came in the proper timing prophetically, right? But the timing, check this out. When Mary came to Jesus and said, hey, they ran out of wine. And Jesus says, it's not my time yet. Now, if anyone knows the timing of God, it's Jesus. Yeah. And he's telling his mom, mom, no, uh, it's not my time. And she looks at the guys and says, just do what he tells you to do. She violates this timing. And he, out of his time, turns water into wine. It wasn't the right time. But there was a promise that Mary held on to pre before the right time and pulled down something that was not for her time. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is what faith does. This is how when we pursue God with all of our heart, how God just honors us. Amen. Now, this is a really crazy thing. I, I know it's not, it is not traditional, like traditional thinking about God's timing. But listen, we can pull things down from heaven. Listen, in heaven is when there's no sickness. Mm -hmm. How do how do you think we can pray for his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? There's no sickness in heaven. So when I go pray for people, I'm praying for something that's not for this time. You see what I'm saying? I'm bringing something into this earth by faith, believing in our promises for the future. It's so, it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. This is how Elijah did it. How do you think Elijah saw miracles and stuff? Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Yeah, he rose people from the dead. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That was, before, that was, a, that was a promise that wasn't for his time. He was believing in something. See, the thing about Jesus is he's eternal. He's not bound by time. Amen. So the promises of God are not really bound by time. Now, sometimes they manifest in a certain time, but that doesn't mean that they're bound to that time. See, it's so cool. I don't know. I'm just going to challenge some thinking there. Just think about it. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. Um, but that one about Mary, dude, that just like tripped me up forever. I'm like, golly, she pulled something that wasn't, that, that wasn't even the right time. She still pulled it down from heaven through her faith. She believed, and it was her faith that moved things. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? And you know, okay, it's so cool stuff. All right, just, I mean, anyway, I'm, all right, we're going to keep going. Jesus is awesome. So, and he died, right, for all those, right? That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is so cool. 
man, we got to stop looking at each other in the flesh, man. Because we're all mess-ups. We're all screw-ups, man. I'm a screw-up. But in Jesus, I'm not. I'm the righteousness of God. Absolutely. Check this out. This is so cool. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Yeah. All right, so are you in a new body yet? No, but you are right now a new creation. The scripture says that you are right now seated with God in heavenly places. That's so cool. I'm about to get excited. I'm going to start preaching in a minute. But we are a new creation right now. So this is a matter of faith, okay? This is a matter of faith. This is a matter of faith. Faith moves mountains. Listen, you know what faith is for? Faith is for impossible things. If it's not impossible, it doesn't require faith. Let me say that again. If it's not impossible, it doesn't require faith. All right. God has always called us to places of impossibility. Mm-hmm. Always calling us to places of faith because the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. So, if I'm not going to a place of impossibility, let's say I always stay somewhere comfortable. I'm not pleasing God. If you're comfortable, you're not pleasing God. That's that's hard. That's good. And that'll change it. I mean, if you can get up off your butt and go do something for the kingdom of God now, do something that's bigger than you. Do something that you can't do. Because that's what faith is about. It's doing something you can't do. Amen. Man, I can't stop sinning, but in Jesus I can. Amen. I'm telling you, it's there's victory, man. And I'm telling you, it, man, it's so good. Okay, keep keep yeah. going. The, the old has passed away. Thank you, Jesus. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Your job now is to be a reconciler. Yeah. And it's so awesome. Like, I'm going to get a tattoo. Man, I won't get a tattoo. But if I did get a tattoo, it'd be like, I'm a reconciler, right? <laughs> the reconciler. You know? Dude, that sounds so awesome. <laughs> If I was in the world, I'd say something different. (laughs) It sounds awesome. Reconciler. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, see, this. listen, if you were all, it was all about you going to heaven when you die, then the moment you, you accepted Jesus, you would just drop dead and go straight to heaven. But you're here for a purpose, man. Yeah. Like, you're here to turn the world upside down. Like, how many people will get you and say, man, that guy's flipping the world upside down? Man, they need to be saying that about you. And don't be discouraged. Listen, I don't care how, if you're young or old, you are supposed to be flipping the world upside down. Yeah. Moses was 80 years old when he started his ministry. Mm-hmm. So, if you're old, and you're not old until you're 80, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you're young. I mean, even if you're 80, you're still young. Moses didn't die until he was 140. But he was full of purpose. I think he lived to 140 because he was full of purpose. You know, when you lose purpose, that's when you die. And if you believe that you have no purpose, then that's when you die. Like the whole, man, come on, this is good. You have purpose. I don't care who you are. You have purpose. And that first purpose is to be a reconciler. Yeah. You're supposed to be reconciling the world to Jesus, man. Amen. I don't care how old or how young you are. I don't care if you're sick or if you're healthy. You're supposed to be doing something for the kingdom. Get get your purpose, man. If you want to know why you're depressed, it's because you have no hope. Listen, listen. Depression comes from lack of hope. Okay? Depression comes from lack of hope. When we, You know what hope is? Hope is looking at the light at the very end of the tunnel. Amen. So when you stop looking at that and you look over here at the wall, that's whenever you're not going nowhere <laughs> and you don't see the light. 
Hope is a promise. It's way over there. It's a promise. Hope is a promise. It's a for sure promise. Okay? So the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. Listen, the only way you can get strength is if you have the joy of the Lord. The only way you can have the joy of the Lord is if you're constantly focused on the good news. And if you're not constantly focused on the good news, you won't ever talk about the good news. And if you're not talking about the good news, you're not going to be thinking about the good news. You are what you talk about. Yeah. Out of the issues of the heart, the mouth you know, speaks, right? It says, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. So it says, I believe, therefore I speak. Listen, if you believe it, you'll speak it. If you're not speaking it, I question whether you believe it. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, what are you talking about all the time? Is it always grumbling and complaining? Because, see, that's actually a profession of unbelief. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're depressed. Because of what was coming out of our mouth. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. You know? So, man, what are we talking about? we got to be talking about the truth. We start talking about the truth, we get excited. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, there's nothing more exciting about, than talking about Jesus. Yeah. And you might get nervous, but perfect love casts out fear. You don't have to be specially gifted to preach the gospel. Listen, I'm telling you right now. People have a, you know what people use the spiritual gifts for all the time? To bind themselves up and say, I'm not qualified. Stop doing that, man. Stop doing that. But Jesus didn't, I'm going to challenge something right now. Jesus never taught about spiritual gifts. He only talked about faith. Okay? Now, check this out. He only talked about faith. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at this. And look, what I'm saying is people use the spiritual gifting passages to exempt them. Well, that's not my spiritual gift. Golly, man. We got to stop doing that. Paul says, I wish that you would, he says, pursue the, gift, the spiritual gifts. It says, I earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Your, your job is to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, not find out which ones don't belong to you. <laughs> okay? See what I'm saying? Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And the scripture says that you get the gifts of God according to the grace given to you. Yeah. All right, now watch this. Now, this is an interesting, interesting teaching here. Check this out. The grace given to you. All right, how do you get grace? There's, there's three ways you get grace. Ephesians says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. faith. All right? So grace only comes through faith. James 4 says that God gives grace to the humble. humble. Humility. And the third one is that may grace, may you get more grace. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2, I believe, says, may grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Christ. So there's three parts. Check this out. Grace comes through three parts, just like your three-part being. This is so cool. Faith, humility, and knowledge. Okay? <clears throat> Faith, humility, and knowledge. Faith, humility, and knowledge. Let's go over to Romans chapter 12 real quick. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. I want to show you something pretty cool, even using this passage here. I, 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 and I'm not saying that not everybody has all the spiritual gifts. I mean, that's just the truth. It's just a matter of fact. Okay? But it doesn't mean it's supposed to be that way. That's what I'm trying to challenge. Okay? Check this out. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> also, if you notice, um, Moses, look at Moses real quick. Uh, think about Moses. It says that he was the meekest man to ever walk the earth. Okay? He operated in the, some of the coolest signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. And there wasn't no spiritual giftings for that. Like, it was just signs and wonders. Like, it wasn't just healing. It was like he, he, he smoked the, the dust, and then the dust came up and turned into gnats. So I mean, like, come on, right? <laughs> you know, the water turned into, into blood. Uh, you know, crazy stuff. You know, manifest. Now, I'm not saying. It, God worked through this man who was humble. You see what I'm saying? It was, he says he was the meekest man. It was his humbleness. Check this out. You can talk about being chosen by God. What makes you chosen by God? You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm not that special person. I haven't been chosen by God. Man, you know what makes you chosen? 
The scripture is very clear that God gives grace to the humble. And the apostles, he says, he says that he who is faithful with the little will be given much. Yeah. Okay? Now, if I own my own business and 12 people come in here and apply for a job, okay, I'm gonna, I'll give them all a chance. But it's the one who's faithful with the little that I will choose. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? Well, come on. When you're faithful with little, what it, that is, is humility. Humbleness is submission. So when my employee comes into the job and says, I'm going to submit to this and I'm going to obey my boss and I'm going to do what he asks me to. Every time he asks me to do it, I'm going to do it. That's humbleness. That's submission. That's also faith. Okay? Faith and humility, they're like the same thing, man. Faith and humility are like the same thing. Faith is submission. It's saying, you know what? I don't understand how this works, but I'm going to believe God anyway. That's humbleness. You see what I'm saying? It's saying, yes, sir. That's faith and humility are just saying, yes, sir, I'm submitting to God. All right, so if they come in here and they say, yes, sir, to me, and they obey what I'm telling them to do as my, as my employee, it's the one who's humble. It's the one who wants it and takes ownership of it. It's the one who takes it by the horns and runs with it. You see what I'm saying? It, we're talking about the guy who submits himself fully to this calling. That's the one I choose. It's not a matter of who's gifted more. Well, he has more giftings. Or, well, he's uh, better. You know, I like him better. It wasn't that. It's the one who submitted himself. You see what I'm saying? And that's the way it is every time. God's always looking for the man or woman who is humbling him, themselves to God. It says, pray for the workers. The workers are few. You know, whenever you own a bit, I'm not saying that God's desperate, but I'm saying, check this out. If you own your own business and there ain't any, any good workers, you're going to hire everybody until you find a good one. You see what I'm saying? And you just hire and fire. Hire until you find good ones. And I believe that it's the same thing, man. The workers are few. If you, if you raise your hand and say, send me, he's sending you. It's a done deal. The workers are few. Jesus said, pray for the workers of the harvest, for the workers are few. So we got to get out there and start doing the kingdom work, man. got to keep doing the kingdom work. And it's about, it's, and when you humble yourself to God, you start to learn who you are in Christ. Like, it's not a matter of, well, uh, like when you humble yourself, you actually get very confident. Okay? The Bible says, he who, it says, um, do I have it written down? No, I don't. It says, when, when we humble ourselves before God, he exalts us. Yes, he does. Okay? If you, check this out. If you go into a conversation with God, okay? If you go into a conversation with God and you don't come out very confident, then you did not go in humble. Let's say that again. If you go into a conversation with God and you don't come out very confident, then you did not go in very humble. It's when you go in too confident in your own, you know, now, now what, how does this look like? There's pride. There's a lot of, you know what pride is? Check this out. Pride is deep-rooted insecurity. When I'm looking for the affirmation from men, okay? When, I, when I'm looking for the affirmation from, from men, okay? Then what happens is, I'm actually very insecure about who I am. I need the affirmation from God. I need the affirmation from God. He's the one who defines me. He's the one who says, you are the righteousness of God. He's the one who says in John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, he who believes in me will do the same things I've been doing greater. Do you know that it's actually humility to submit to that word? It's not arrogance. It's humility. It's, you know, arrogance and pride is when you think you know better than God. You know, I had somebody tell me one time, well, Zach, have you, have you, uh, have you done greater things than Jesus? Well, no, dude, but the Bible says that I'm not greater than my master. A servant's not greater than his master. And my master said, he who believes in me will do the same things he did in greater. Now, that's actually humility to say that, man. And it's hard, man. That's really hard because you don't feel worthy. 
But what is that? That's submitting yourself to the law again. Go over here to, and I'll keep bouncing back and forth. Let's, uh, let's go, I'm trying, let's go to, to uh, we're going to go ahead and skip this Romans thing, okay? For the sake of time, because it is almost 12. So I'm going to, I'm going to go here real quick to Galatians chapter 5. Okay? Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> I have it written down here. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, verse um, 1 through 9, and then we'll read 13 through 26. So it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to you, every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. All right. Now, he's talking to the church members, Galatians, the church in Galatia. Like, and a lot of times people take the scripture and say, well, they lost their salvation. No. Give me, check this out. So you have three parts. You have a spirit. You have a soul, and you have a body, okay? The spirit man never loses his salvation. That's right. It's the soul and the body that struggle with this part. That's why the scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not saying your eternal salvation in your spirit. It's talking about the salvation of your soul. James says, submit, therefore, to the word of God. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul, which is your mind. The word of God changes your mind. It's the renewing of the mind. Check this out. It says, if you would submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery, <clears throat> for instance, man, I'm doing great, da da da, and I'm, I'm awesome, and you start talking about your own deeds and how good you're doing. Hey, man, look at my church. I have 50,000 people in my church, whatever, you know what I mean? Then you're actually resting in what you did instead of what Jesus did. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And you fall from grace. Now, we talked about in John chapter 5, verse 44, it says, how can you believe if you seek the glory from men instead of the glory from, that comes from the Father, right? All right, so here's what happens. When you start seeking approval from men, that's when you stop believing. Because see, when you start seeking, watch this, when you start seeking approval from men, it's insecurity. You hear what I'm saying? You're actually very insecure. And it actually always leads to sin. Okay? It always leads to sin. All right? Check this out. You have fallen from grace. Grace is applied to three areas of your life. The spirit, the soul, and the body. So, if I'm thinking I'm doing great, I can fall from grace in my mind. And the next thing you know, I'm going to be sinning. Promise. I promise. I promise. The moment you start seeking for approval from men is the moment that you go back to sin. The reason why is because sin is rooted in unbelief. And when you start looking towards men for your approval instead of God for your approval, you enter into unbelief. You're not submitting to God anymore. You're sitting, submitting to men. When you submit, you hear what I'm saying? Faith and humility, they're the same. Are you following me? When we humble ourselves to men and fear of men, it's insecurity and it's unbelief. When we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to God, we get great confidence. That's faith. You see what I'm saying? Because God exalts those who humble themselves to him. Watch this. So when we fall away from grace, it's not a matter of being losing your salvation. It's a matter of not walking out salvation in your mind and in your body. Okay? Check this out. You fall away from grace. Now, what if I do mess up? Check this out. What if I mess up? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? You know what you just did? You just submitted yourself again to another yoke of slavery, to the law. You're now in what's called condemnation. 
And you are now looking at yourself versus the law instead of according to grace. You fall away from grace again. And you know how hard it is to get back up when you're down in condemnation? It's so hard because you're so full of unbelief. I'm not worthy. I'm not. And you start beating yourself up. This is not faith. You see what I'm saying? It's actually insecurity. But when I humble myself to the Lord again, God, I, I did mess up. And then he starts to speak into you. Son, I love you. I yes. forgive you. Yes. I have mercy for you. Yes. And my grace is sufficient for you to overcome. Yes. That's when we are lifted back. And that's why the scripture says he is faithful. When we confess our sins to the Lord, he is faithful yes. to forgive us of our sins. Amen. You know, you know, when we, and this is the key, man, this is the key to walk in humility all the time. When you walk in humility unto God, submitting to his word for your life, you can overcome sin in your life. Amen. You can overcome sickness in your life. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean that it always happens. Check this out. Because we if you're in this world, man, you're going to struggle. Okay? Watch this. Humility is not the absence of pride. Humility is the ability to throw away your pride. Just like faith. Faith is not absence of unbelief. When the father came and said, your disciples couldn't heal my son. He says, all things are possible for one who believes. He goes, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? And when he went to the disciples, we're talking about Matthew chapter 17 here. He looks at the disciples and the disciples said, how come I couldn't cast that demon out? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief. So listen, these guys, Matthew chapter 17, these guys in Matthew chapter 10, just seven chapters before, were already casting demons out, man. They were already healing the sick, raising the dead. And now in Matthew chapter 17, they're dealing with unbelief. You can have faith and unbelief at the same time. Faith does not mean you don't have unbelief. Faith means that you know how to throw your unbelief aside. That's why it says in, in, in Romans chapter 4, it says that, that Abraham let no disbelief cause him to waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So what happens is, even Abraham, the father of our faith, had unbelief. But just because you have unbelief doesn't mean you don't have faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? This is why people really struggle, man. Well, I had, I believed I had faith and somebody didn't get healed. Listen, you can have faith and you can have unbelief simultaneously. But faith grows. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen. What you do is you continue to focus on the word of God. You keep focusing on his promise. Keep focusing on his promise. This is how your faith grows. And then the more you grow in faith, the more you're able to humble yourself and cast aside your unbelief. So I really hope I encourage you guys. That's about it. I'm going to stop. Amen. Thank you, so, um, anybody else, before I pray, anybody have anything they want to, no? All right, well, let me pray over you guys. Yeah. Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for victory. Father, you give us the victory. Yeah. And Lord, we can look at the promised land, and we can see the giants all day long, and we can keep on, you know, saying, well, there's giants in the land. But that's unbelief, Father. We have to say, you've given us the land. And Father, I thank you, Lord. You've given us victory in the spirit. You've given us victory in our minds. And you say in your word, Father, I wish that you would prosper as your soul prospers. So Father, as we renew our mind, according to Galatians, it says, if we will set our mind on the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I thank you, Father, as we seek you with all of our heart, Lord, and we, we, we put our mind on you, Lord, that grace will reign and we'll get more grace Father, we can get more grace. According to James chapter 4, verse 6, Father, we can get more grace. So I thank you, Father, that we can grow in grace. And Father, we can walk out our grace. And Father, that grace is the power to overcome. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Great. Great.
Thank you. Bold word from Zach Spiegel. Bold as the Lion Ministries. God bless you.